0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. for you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from
1: HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he always does on these occasions, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there!
0: All right then. So we have some listener mail to start us off. Okay. This listener mail comes from Harry from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. He says, hey, as a tabletop gamer, I have been known to generate a few random numbers via my trusty D20. However, I know computers are able to do this without tossing around an icosahedron. Just how do digital random number generators work and are they truly random? So uh, D20, for those of you who are not uh, entrenched in the geek world as I am, that is a 20-sided die. Yeah, that uh, as it turns out, that's a far
1: more effective tool for generating random numbers than a computer can be.
0: Yeah, and uh, here's, here's the basics of why that is. A, a computer follows instructions, so you have to be able to give a computer instructions in order for it to do anything. Yes. In order for you to be able to tell it to generate a number, you have to tell it how to generate that number. And it is very, very challenging to create a way to tell a computer to generate a number so that that number is truly random. And when we're talking about truly random, or
1: it, it, it may seem that a random number generator that you might use online is random, but it's random to you and not the computer. Depending on what system they're using. Well, that, that's true. But the, a lot of the ones that I've seen for free right. are
0: using an algorithm to determine a random number. Right, and there are a couple of different ways that computers try to generate random numbers. Okay, so in one version, the computer actually just has a table of numbers that have been pre-generated through some complex means and that the numbers themselves appear to be random because uh it's a string of numbers that don't repeat in any sort of uh in any sort of sequence no matter how long the the number is and we're talking about numbers that could have thousands and thousands of digits within them
1: right i mean it's it it could be as simple as Generating numbers at random and making a list, and it's going down and saying, "Okay, number three hundred seventy-five. This is the number. Number Right, three hundred seventy-six. This is the number." But it also might also is is likely to be using an algorithm that says, "Okay, well, add twenty to this one. Okay, add fourteen to this one. Add twenty-one to that one." Right. So you, if you know where you are in the sequence, you can predict what the next. Theoretically, random number is
0: right. So, if it's if it's the list version that that we were talking about before, let's let's make it really simple. Yes. Let's say you have a list of ten numbers. Okay. And each of those numbers is ten digits long, but the digits are apparently random. Yes. All right. So there's no like easy sequence to follow. I'm with you. And we have just completed. Uh, we've just used random number number eight. Okay. All right. That means that we would have random number number nine and random number number ten and then it would go back to random number number one. So if you had the table in front of you and you had you knew how many of those random numbers there were and you knew where it was In the previous iteration of generating a random number, you would know the next quote unquote random number. Right. So the number itself may appear to be random, but you would still be able to predict what it was because you had the list. Right. Uh, so that's a problem because random numbers are used in things like encryption. So you want, you want those numbers to be as true, as close to true random as possible so that it is not easy or, or, preferably possible to break that encryption. I think this is a good time to introduce two concepts.
1: Okay. Uh, That would be the the pseudo random number generator. Sure. And the true random number generator.
0: Right. So... True random number generators are actually kind of easier to, to explain. Yeah, I think so, too. So a true random number generator is something that can generate a random number, uh, excluding any minor quantum effects that you want to imagine. So let's talk about that D20.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent example of a true random number
0: generator. Right. When you roll that D20, theoretically, anytime you roll that D20, there should be an equal chance of any number between 1 and 20 popping up as the the eventual result
1: that is assuming that your d20 is uh, equally sharp on all sides and the, i mean the edges are the exact same and the surface you the surface on is on perfectly that's, flat that's
0: why i'm talking about eliminating is, the quantum effects okay because when i when i'm talking about quantum effects in this case i'm talking about things that are so small that we can't really observe them anyway so right. it doesn't it you know it, it, if you eliminate all that and you say that with all things being equal rolling on the same surface with a perfectly uh, intact D20 you should get a random result every time you roll it.
1: Right. right. I have a couple D20s that look like a dog chewed on them
0: because they got
1: so well used. And in those
0: cases there might be some numbers that might roll up more often than others just because of the shape of that D20. Exactly. But a true random number generator would not give any preference to any particular result. Right. Uh, Pseudo random number generators are different. Yes. They well, are, we've already been talking about
1: pseudo random number generators, which yeah. is the, the, the number generators that are using the algorithms or a a predetermined list of numbers that uh, that are being used to to theoretically generate yeah. a random number.
0: Now the, the the algorithms use something called a seed. Yes. And a seed is a predetermined figure that gets plugged into the algorithm that helps generate the seemingly random numbers. But if you know what the seed is, then theoretically you can eventually determine what the algorithm is and then break the encryption. Now mm-hmm. this is this is not as easy as I'm making it sound. It's not like this is a, a trivial task. No, no. It's actually I, you, incredibly difficult. Yeah, as long
1: as, uh, I mean, if, if you have no clue what the seed is or what the algorithm is, it's it's going to appear to you to be random.
0: Right. It's going to seem like an impossible task to break it. But if you were to find one of those two elements, then theoretically, over several results, you would be able to eventually derive the other. You would either be able to derive the seed or you'd be able to derive the algorithm. And again, this is it it's not easy but it is theoretically at any rate possible which is why you want to get as close to a true random number generator as possible because then you can't predict it right because it is random now what i think is interesting is the way again we're talking about you know, when you get back to the computers if you're if you're doing the the pseudo random number generator that's a lot easier yes cuz that's something you can do within the realm of computing
1: yes and and there are quite a few uh, as i have found out pseudo random number generators available online you can you can say hey i need a, a random number and you can go find a website somewhere that will give you something that appears to be a completely random number
0: yeah and it's um it's a really efficient system. I mean, it, it doesn't take long at all for a pseudo-random number generator to come up with a number. Oh, yeah. Uh, true random number generators tend to take longer to to generate that number. So uh, – and when I'm saying longer, I'm talking about maybe a matter of seconds. But in computing terms, that's an eternity. Yeah, that's true. Um, now – you would want a true number random number generator for for certain tasks like uh like a lottery mm-hmm. you don't want people to be able to predict your lottery um that would be bad because then it would no longer be a gamble <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, uh,
1: th- those are uh, those are the machines that they use to pull the ping pong balls out of are yeah, true random number generator. Exactly.
0: So again, assuming all the ping pong balls are in the this, same shape and blah blah blah, and they're on the same weight exactly. Uh, but things like random sampling, if you wanted mm-hmm. to do if you wanted to do true random sampling, and I can give you an example of where this would be really important. Excellent. Uh, airports. Yes. So in an airport security line, you know, supposedly the airport security are are going to single out people for random screening. That's right. Now to make that truly a random event where it's not based upon anyone's appearance, you know, you, you want to take all of that out because you don't want to do the profiling thing because that has its own set of of problems. If you're truly random, you need to have a system that's going to just tell you a, a really random result, like say the third person. The 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 third person to go through the line next that'll be someone you single out and then seventh will be the next one or whatever, but you would want a true random number generator to come up with that so that you could show that there was no preference, there was no bias right, that went into that sample. Plus, uh, it makes it a little more frightening for
1: someone who might be thinking about trying something is the idea that you might be selected completely at random
0: right. for a check. Like, Yeah, it doesn't matter how quote unquote normal you look exactly. or, or uh, unassuming you look, you could still be picked. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Whereas with a a pseudo-random number generator, you might want that for something like if you're uh, doing some sort of simulation Mm -hmm. because it's going to be much more efficient. And a lot of – when we're talking simulation, we're talking about simulation of complex systems, Mm -hmm. like let's say atmospheric systems. That's incredibly complex. And if you were to rely on true random number generators to generate – the the numbers you need to run that simulation it would not be nearly as responsive as what you would need to to get a true simulation mm-hmm. true simulation is kind of a oxymoron but kind of is yes. <laughs> at any rate um but there's some really cool ways that uh various organizations and 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 mathematicians have come up with to try and, and create as random a number generator as possible using computers.
1: Yes, I figured since you just mentioned it the use of uh, atmospheric noise uh, right. would be a good place to start in that. That's yeah. uh, random.org is a great resource as far as uh, putting this podcast together and
0: uh, Yes, yes, definitely. Um, that's that's how
1: they uh, Try to generate random numbers.
0: Right. So let's say let's say that what they do is it's a combination of the pseudo random number generator and the true random number generator mm-hmm. method. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they use observations of atmospheric phenomena to generate a random number. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they do that by putting it through, I suppose it's like putting it through an algorithm. Yes. But at any rate, the, they, depending on what's going on in the atmosphere at any given moment, that's what's going to generate that random number. Uh, now, now we start to enter a philosophical debate right? about whether or not that atmospheric conditions are truly random and the reason why there's a debate is that there's still a debate on is everything deterministic meaning that things happen and those things cause other things to happen and those things cause other things to happen and if you know the whole system you can predict everything that's going to happen right versus non-deterministic which allows for random occurrences fish Still not not applicable. (laughs) I knew that was going to happen. So that's surreal. That's not random. Good point. Um, So (laughs) now, in a deterministic system, what you could argue is that the conditions of the atmosphere are in fact predictable if you know all the factors that are going into making that condition.
1: But that's if there is a low pressure system, you could say, well. You know, there is a good possibility that it is going to rain today. Right, And so I, by that, I could say it is more likely to rain than not rain because the pressure is low. Right. So there are, thi- there are factors taken into account. But what about the smog in the area? Yeah. Or whether there is dust from... Or any uh, interference from electromagnetic radiation.
0: Exactly. Or, these um, things
1: can factor into it to uh, to change the probability that something
0: will happen. That's why we're talking about these incredibly complex systems. Now, if there were some way for you to know all the factors that were going into making the atmosphere behave, a a particular way at any particular time you could no longer say that that was a random number. Yes. It's almost just an academic argument because there's no way you could know all those factors. It's right. just too complex. And especially if you start to pull in things like chaos theory. Yes. Now if you've heard of chaos theory, you know that chaos theory states that very small events can contribute to enormous events. And the thought experiment that is always referred to is that a butterfly flaps its wings and John Travolta gets a movie. No, I'm sorry, a tsunami wipes out some city somewhere right across the world. So the wind uh, generated, the the tiny little movement of air molecules generated by that butterfly's wings flapping in Brazil sets off a chain of events that ultimately leads to a catastrophically huge weather phenomena somewhere across the globe. Uh, And of course, not like not like instantaneously, not, I'm not suggesting that Brazilians go out and massacre butterflies, but rather that these tiny events are what contribute to enormous events. So right. in that sense, anything that's going on in the atmosphere at any given time is, uh, is the product of so many different tiny factors that it's mind-boggling. Right, right. So that... Uh, it, it's, it's
1: so complex, essentially, then, that while it is not... That it is essentially random
0: right, it may or may not be truly random, but one, we are not capable of knowing that right because it 's so complex, and two it doesn 't matter because we 're not capable of knowing that right so even if even if you were to somehow philosophically argue that it 's not truly random it 's as close to truly random as it needs to be, or in order for us to go ahead and say you know it 's just an academic argument mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that 's not the only the, the, atmos- the observing the atmosphere is not the only method that people have used to try and generate a random number
1: no not at all and it's um, and as a matter of fact the one I think you were thinking of would be uh, the quantum mechanics version of determining random numbers that and one's well,
0: that one's a cool one it's a really cool idea uh, and we're talking about
1: by using particles that are smaller than an atom to determine yeah. uh, the, the randomness of an event, or in this case, generate random numbers.
0: Yeah, th- we're talking here about uh, these quantum particles are behaving in a way that we cannot predict at this time. Yes. Now... Again, this could mean that either the quantum particles behave in a truly random fashion or it may mean that we don't understand them well enough to be able to recognize the patterns or uh, series of events that are going on. Mm-hmm. Or it may be that we are, we just don't have the the, me- the instruments capable of measuring that. So it may be that the behavior is, in fact, predictable if we have enough information and sensitive enough uh, 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 instruments. True, But – as it stands right now, it appears to be completely random. So if you base a random number generator off of quantum events, then you would get results that to us appear to be completely random. Yes. And you could generate enormous numbers. I mean, numbers that are, are so big that, you know, you, you would, if you were to try and write one down on a sheet of paper, it would take up the entire sheet. Yeah. And, and it would have no apparent repeating integers at all as mm-hmm. you're going through there. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh Hotbits actually is a website. Um
1: a project from a uh an organization in Switzerland, uh Formilab. And uh they have connected a Geiger Mueller tube to a computer to basically uh they're drag racing decaying atoms.
0: Right, because atoms decay at an unpredictable rate. Right. So that, so by measuring the decay rate, uh, that can in turn generate a random number. Yeah, they take two, they take a pair of decaying atoms,
1: and, uh, basically when, when, uh, when one of them decays and, and releases particles, then, uh, that helps them generate random numbers, and, um, pretty amazing stuff, really, to to be measuring that and to be using that for a number. But the thing is, it as, as Jonathan mentioned earlier, it is not something that happens very quickly. You have to submit uh, a series of numbers. You say, I want 56 random numbers, and they have to be no larger than, you know, Forty-three digits long, mm. and things like that. You have to you have to program this in, in advance, and they will return a set of numbers to you. But it will not happen instantaneously.
0: Now, do you know what my favorite uh, version f- favorite way of generating random numbers is? What's that? My favorite one was a project, and unfortunately, I don't have the name in front of me. But my favorite one was a project where it was y- using a webcam pointed at a lava lamp and by measuring the shapes of the lava quote unquote in the lava lamp it generated random numbers so the really yes as the lava lamp as the the wax inside the lava lamp changed shape the webcam would measure that you know it would get an image of it and it would be uh, analyzed by the computer to create a random number and because the shape was constantly changing uh you could generate random numbers at any given time and I love that. The simplicity and the elegance of it is amazing. Oh, yes. So you've got it in front of you. Yes. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't read it. Uh, lava <laughs> Lava Rand? Lava Rand, yes. L-A-V-A-R-N-D. Now, that project is sti- still exists, although they are no longer generating random numbers based off lava lamps, as uh, far as I understand. <laughs> That's pretty neat, though. I had never heard of it before now. It's so. a neat, neat concept. I thought that was, you know, again, uh, mathematicians are wacky, crazy, awesome people. And we're talking about like mathematicians who are well, you know studying math for things like number theory, yes, stuff that's so far beyond my understanding, as the Ada Lovelace podcast uh illustrated to great <laughs> length um but it yeah that these are the folks who are are coming up with the various theories about how to generate random numbers if in fact it is truly possible, yes, and I
1: think that their work proves that our days are numbered. Well, with that, how about we move
0: on to a little listener mail? Except this really isn't listener mail. This is a, a message that comes to us courtesy of our Facebook group. So, uh. Oh, true. Oh, oh Elizabeth, Facebook. Elizabeth. Uh, we're going to call this Facebook Facts and then uh, uh, put, in, put in the sound of a hand slapping someone's face. Ow. So this comes from Dan, okay, then. and Dan says uh, says How about leet? A history of broken English and long forgotten keyboard keys. I would like to see how it came about. Also, popular terms like pwned. Thanks. All right, Dan. So you're talking about speak, yes. Uh Leet being short for elite. Yes. And really this kind of grew out of the bulletin board system culture. Mm-hmm. So you had on bulletin board systems, you normally had, uh, not normally, a lot of bulletin boards had multiple um, levels of access. Yes, they did. And there might be a general access where you can log in and you can access certain things that everyone has access to. But then you might have to pay or be invited to become part of a more restricted access community, and that might get you stuff like uh, access to to different files or games Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. and because you're part of an Inner community, you of course would beca- begin to develop a sense of elitism. Yeah. <laughs> Cause this just, that's kind of how we humans work.
1: Well, yes, we, uh, we do tend to enjoy being part of an exclusive club. Yes. And, uh, when you are part of an exclusive club and you're interested in being part of an exclusive club, you might, uh, try to find ways to, maybe disguise what you're doing
0: so that not everyone could find it by a simple keyword search. Right. So you start to develop your own language. And we see this across human oh, sure. societies outside of the computer realm, of course. Well, slang. I mean, yeah. you could find a slang dictionary and, and the, the slang terms
1: go from generation to generation. And region to region. And region to region. So
0: you might find uh, a certain group has their own kind of a vocabulary. Well, the same thing with LeetSpeak. speak, as Chris was pointing out, part of it was to kind of up Obfuscate what they were talking about so that you couldn't easily find it with a search. Um, this was a particularly important if they were trying to share things like software that had been under copyright. Mm-hmm. If you had an, uh, uh, a copy of a program and you had cracked it so that you didn't need any kind of uh, – uh, you, you, there was no longer any DRM attached to it. There was no sort of copy protection attached to it. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to share this with all of your elite friends, but you didn't want people to figure out that you were doing something illegal, you might go through and change a few little uh, figures, a little uh, some of the, the letters to different symbols so that you, know, you could still read it because – the you know we look at it and we're like okay well that 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 uh, uh, dollar sign is supposed to stand for an S or, or a three the, for an E yeah or a five for an S um, or a four for an A that kind of thing right uh, but you know if you were to search for that term it wouldn't come up because the computer doesn't know that the uh The symbols are standing in for letters mm-hmm. uh that that's a human thing that's one of those things that humans do really well that computers don't do well unless you go through and program a whole new database of words yeah. so- i mean anybody who's who's done the uh
1: sorry didn't mean no, to go go ahead uh, anyone who's done the um the uh calculator thing where you type in you know certain numbers and then flip it over and realize that they look a lot like. You know, the numbers actually look sort of like a word. You can spell out very few simple words using a calculator. But, um, you know, you, it's it's instantly recognizable to somebody who has a grasp of the language, which is why a lot of the words that they used gradually shifted from just using numbers in place of letters to actually being spelled differently as well.
0: Right. Uh, so the first Leet speaks probably there for, to again obfuscate what they're doing. Right. But then it kind of became a way to communicate with other Leet members and to exclude, uh, noobs. The, yes the new folks uh, even if you were in the public areas because the new folks were they, they were it was completely foreign to them mm-hmm. and so if you first start looking at a page of leet speak and you're not familiar with it it just looks like gibberish at first glance you, mm-hmm. you know you actually have to take an effort to kind of say oh wait that symbol probably means a u and that one looks like an s so that's an s you know at a casual glance it looks like it's meaningless which it, it serves the purpose of the Leet group very well mm-hmm. uh, but then they started to do other things because these are the same sort of folks who kind of have a mischief streak a mile wide. And um, so they began to incorporate things like common typos. Yes. Typos would become the... The the typo version of a word would become the official version of a word, which is why you would see things like T-E-H standing in for the. Yes. So And and misusing words on purpose also became very common. So Mm -hmm. it, it began to develop its own grammar. Yes. So... For example, instead of uh, instead of using "awesome" as a, a an adjective, you'd use it as a noun and call it "to awesome." That yes. is "to awesome," mm-hmm. and uh, uh, things like "powned," that of course came from the typo version of "owned," and you you know owning as in I owned him in this argument. I completely dominated him. Yes. By uh, showing him that he is stupid and is a poor debater, and I am awesome, and he is not, or I am too awesome, and he is not. Um, so I pwned him. And most of the leet speak is based off one of these two things, or, or a combination of the two, mm-hmm. where you substitute a letter for either a symbol or a number, something that that resembles it physically, but is not it. Or it is some sort of misspelling or typo version of the original word, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, most of it can be can be pretty easily uh, translated if you if you just give yourself a little time. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, if they get really, really, really complex, it gets to a point where you're like, uh, now certain symbols are standing in for entire. Um, our symbols are staying in for an entire syllable.
1: Right. And, and then some of the others uh, who were really into lead speak also incorporated, you could also make a T out of certain lines on the keyboard, making right. it a little bit even more obfuscatory or, where you or couldn't, you would even, you couldn't uh, tell. You'd have to really scrutinize it to go, oh, wait, those three characters are making up another letter
0: or let's say that you wanted to use you use the ampersand yeah. to stand for the sound and Okay. Yeah. And then you put a B in front of it. So it's B ampersand and it's banned. Right. So you could say I, you know, don't do that, you'll get banned, B ampersand meaning that. Right. Well, if you really wanted to go even one step further, you would not even use the ampersand, you would use the 7. Yeah. Which of course is the same key that the ampersand is found on. So B7 would stand for banned. Mm-hmm. So now now you've gone from just replacing letters to actually creating a little minor bit of a cipher. -hmm. Um, It's a pretty simple cipher, uh, but it can be very confusing to someone who has never encountered it before.
1: Yep, yep.
0: And gradually more people became uh, acquainted
1: with it as uh, the elite people with elite skills uh, started playing games online and they would start using elite language in in, uh, the uh, communication. Part of the game where you would type comments along with the game, right? Uh, you know, and could interact with the other players online. And then, uh, from the research I did on it, apparently the uh, the comic Mega Tokyo basically made it more, even more of a popular phenomenon to, to speak Leet. Um, yeah, know, just to bring it out that much more in the open, which, of course, for the people who are truly Leet. Uh, probably drove them absolutely bonkers because suddenly they were no longer exclusive.
0: Right. Yeah, so, and of course now it's, it's pretty much just common parlance on a lot of the web. Yes. Where, you know, it's almost, more, it's almost just become a, a parody of itself. Um, which is kind of funny because it was already sort of a parody. Yeah. At any rate, that's pretty much the lowdown on Leap Speak and, uh, and, and why people type funny. Yep. Uh If you have any questions that you would like to pose to the Tech Stuff group, the group being me, Chris, um, you can do so at our email address, which is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or like Dan, you can leave us a message on our Facebook group because we are checking that every day. Or you can uh, contact us on our Twitter handle, and you'll hear all that information at our handy-dandy postscript announcement done by our very own Chris Paulette. Hey, then. In the meantime, I hope you guys enjoyed this show, and we will talk to you again really soon.
1: If you're a Tech Stuff fan, be sure to check us out on Twitter. TechStuffHSW is our handle, and you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TechStuffHSW. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage.
0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you